everyone. Welcome back to the pod. Glad you could join me on today's episode. It is just after 7 p.m. here on Tuesday, April 27th. And on today's episode, I am going to conduct the Black and White's first and only NFL mock draft via podcast. I already posted one to the website if you want to go check that out. But I'm doing this mock draft in terms of if I was the GM for all, I guess, 29 teams that are picking in the first round because the Rams, Seahawks, and Chiefs all traded their first round picks. So I'll be the GM for all 29 teams in this draft, and that means changes from the one I posted on the website. So without further ado, let's get into it. With the first overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence. No explanation required there. That has been the pick for a very long time, and he deserves to be that pick. Moving on, number two, the New York Jets. The presumptive pick here is Zach Wilson, and I understand why, but if I'm the Jets GM, I'm picking Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Yep, you heard it here first. I am picking Justin Fields. I think, I personally think, he's the second best quarterback in this class. He is battle-tested, which means he's played against good teams and has shown up against good teams, as evidenced in the college football playoff. He, is, I think, is the most physically gifted quarterback in this draft class he's got an extremely strong arm he loves the game of football he was the I think he was the leading voice in trying to get the Big Ten to play football last fall and I just think he's he's better and has a higher ceiling than Zach Wilson so that is why I would pick Justin Fields to build my franchise around if I were the New York Jets moving on to number three the Niners take Zach Wilson here if he is available if I'm the GM Because, I don't know, I just think Kyle Shanahan would have a lot of fun with him in this offense. He's got a great arm, um, and there's deep threats already on the Niners' offense in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So I think that would be the pick there for the San Francisco 49ers if Zach Wilson is available. Let me me back up a second. The reason why I would take Fields over Wilson, um, digging at Wilson, I kind of just explained why Fields was, was good. Wilson... His physical frame was a little questioning against teams when he was at BYU. Against teams that had 10 or more wins, he was 1 and, or excuse me, 0 and 5. He was 0 and 5 through one touchdown, seven picks with a 61% completion percentage. And it's not like BYU had a bunch of scrubs around him. BYU is a high-quality football program. It's not like he was playing Alabama or Clemson either. Those losses were to Coastal Carolina, San Diego State, Washington, Utah, and I forget the last team. But um, yeah, those did concern me a little bit, and that is why I would pick Justin Fields over Zach Wilson there. But Niners, Zach Wilson's on the board. I'm doing backflips. Take him at number three. Number four, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm trading back. I'm trading back, and here's why. Look, I understand the plan is to not pick this high for a while, but I'm looking at this roster Especially considering that Julio Jones is on the trade block. There's needs kind of everywhere. The offensive line has struggled with injury issues. The defense is abominable, especially the pass defense. I'm going to get to that later. Uh, Matt Ryan is aging. Their running back situation isn't fantastic right now. Is Edo Smith their starter? I don't even remember. Anyway... Falcons, I, it would make, I, I guess it, it, would, it would make sense for them to take Kyle Pitts here, transcend an offensive talent, or... Trey Lance because 
he could sit behind Matt Ryan for a couple of years, considering that he's raw. And if the uh, if the Falcons do release Matt Ryan before his two years are up, that would be a significant cap hit to them. So I understand why they would pick they would take Trey Lance at four and stay. But the Denver Broncos are offering too much. That is what I would do if I were the GM of the Denver Broncos. I am trading up with the Atlanta Falcons to snag Trey Lance because if I'm the Broncos, I'm looking at this roster. Really, if I'm anybody, I'm looking at this roster. I'm like, damn, that is a good roster. We cannot go 6-10 and 10 again with this good of a roster because of poor quarterback play from Drew Locke. So I'm looking at that pick if I'm the Broncos. I'm offering a lot, probably four. I'm offering four, or excuse me, I'm offering nine, 40, uh, next year's second and first, probably. I don't know. I just kind of made that up on the spot. But it would take a lot to move up there, but I think the Broncos should do it. They need to invest heavily in the quarterback position. They are in the ultimate win-now mode, and trading up would be the best option if I were the Broncos GM. So swap the Falcons and the Broncos, get Trey Lance to the Mile High City. Number five. Cincinnati Bengals have a lot of high-quality options here. Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. They will get in the actual draft. They will get their pick of at least two of those guys. And I don't think you could really go wrong with either. However, if I'm the Bengals GM, I am taking Penny Sewell. I am taking Penny Sewell because Joe Burrow, he got injured. His knee got inverted because uh, the offensive line broke down on the play. And he was just re- he was really just running for his life. Uh, that whole his whole rookie season before the injury. And as Mike Greenberg said on Get Up, offensive linemen hit way more than wide receivers. Not that I think Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase aren't going to hit. It's just Sewell's unbelievable just profile, his athleticism combined with his size, combined with his technique, as well as the fact that um, wide receivers don't hit as often. I just think you could stick Sewell at the tackle position for 10 years and he could just be your franchise protector for your franchise quarterback. So I just think that would be the smarter move for Cincinnati. Um, but again, I don't think they could go wrong with Sewell or Pitts or uh, Chase as well. Number six, Miami. G- the geniuses of the draft so far. Uh, Kyle Pitts falls right into their laps, and that is who I'm taking if he is available, if I'm the Dolphins GM. I'm just imagining right now an offense with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, a hopefully injury and drug-free Will Fuller, uh, Adam Gasicki, and then Pitts. That is so much athleticism. And obviously, you're trying to get Tua weapons. You're trying to get Tua going. I don't think this is a make-or-break year. I don't think this is the year whether you decide um, if Tua is your starting quarterback or not. You can't just give up on him after two years. I want to get that to that with the Giants, too. Um, you just got to give these guys time, and obviously, you got to give these guys weapons. The Dolphins should also address the offensive line later in the draft. But right now, Kyle Pitts, that would be that would be the pick if I was the Dolphins GM. He is freaky. 6'6", 245, catch machine. Got the D-A-W-G dog mentality I love in really any athlete in any sport. Um, and I just think he would be a massive upgrade for that Dolphins offense. And two attack by low. So Kyle Pitts, number six. Number seven, Detroit Lions. I am trading out of this pick. I am trading out of this pick because... I'm the Lions GM. I'm just looking at this roster and be like, we need stuff. We need assets. We need picks. And while there is premium talent where we are right now, 
at number seven. I think we can trade back and get more stuff so we have more opportunities to add guys that can help us move from a rebuilding team to hopefully a con uh, at least a playoff contending team. So I'm trading back with the New England Patriots. Yes, if I'm the Patriots GM, I'm looking at our roster. I'm looking at last season, and I'm learning of what happens when mediocre quarterback play is happening on the Patriots with uh, with Cam Newton last year. He kind of pranked us with those first with that first game or two. Um, well, yeah, we saw the effects of inadequate quarterback play for the Patriots, and it sucked. They went seven and nine. I don't think Bill Belichick was very happy about that. So Belichick and the rest of the Patriots organization. They've been aggressive this whole offseason, getting weapons, getting guys like Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I mean, they've been adding tons and tons of guys, spending all this kind of money. And uh, you're trading up, and you're getting Mac Jones. You're getting Mac Jones. I think he's a really, really, really good quarterback that can be in this league for a very long time. I'm not saying he can lead a team to the Super Bowl necessarily, but I think he'll be in this league for a while because he's got elite accuracy, led all of college football in completion percentage last season. I know he had an embarrassment of riches behind. Uh, I know he had an embarrassment of riches um, at his disposal with multiple first-round picks on both the offensive line and the skill positions. But 77% completion percentage for really any situation is insanely impressive. Um, he's very good at reading the defense, making his reads very quickly, and getting the ball out. He is not very mobile. I think that will definitely affect him. We saw last season how effective mobile quarterbacks can be in the NFL with guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm not saying Mac Jones has to be that, but it would certainly help if he could roll out more. Even though he has yet to prove that, I think his elite accuracy and vision will certainly help him, um, especially in New England. I think he can get coached up really well. He's got better weapons around him than Cam Newton did last season. And um, yeah, if I were the Patriots, I'd be aggressive, get your quarterback for the future, um, even if that means trading up eight slots and giving up a lot, I think. So yeah, that is what I would do. I think that's a win-win for New England and Detroit because in Detroit, I think the fans will be happy with that because they know that team is just rebuilding. They need stuff. They need picks. So that's a win-win for both teams. All right, number eight. If Jamar Chase wasn't available here for Carolina... Rashawn Slater would be the pick because the Panthers have a glaring need at the tackle position. But guess what? Jamar Chase is available. And if I'm the Panthers GM and I see that Jamar Chase is available, I'm taking him. Curtis Samuel, he left in free agency. That's opening up a hole at the... I guess Robbie Anderson could, could slide into the wide receiver too. But if Jamar Chase was the pick, I could think he should be the wide receiver one over DJ Moore. He's just offering too much upside there at eight to be passed up on. Um, and Sam Darnold, he's going to need all the weapons he can get in order to truly reveal what kind of quarterback he is. Because obviously, in New York with the Jets, he was not provided very good weapons at all. Sorry, Braxton Berrios, love you. Um, <laughs> anyway, Jamar Chase, I think that would be the pick if he is available for Carolina. Just instantly upgrades the offense. And um, yeah, I like that pick for Sam Darnold's sake. And I think Matt Rule's creating a nice culture down there in Carolina. And Jamar Chase, with that pick, I think that'd be really good. Number nine, Atlanta. Traded back already, allocated a bunch of picks. And I say, we, the Atlanta Falcons, address the defensive side of the ball. Because the defense literally cost the Falcons multiple games last season. 
And specifically here, I'm addressing the, I would be addressing the pass defense, which was last in the entire league in pass yards allowed per game last season. And because of that, I am taking the best cornerback in this draft, in my opinion, Patrick Sertain II. I don't really think you could go wrong there with Patrick Sertain. I think he will be in this league for a very long time. He can line up opposite A.J. Terrell. Hopefully get that pass defense sort of right, at the very least. Um, but yeah, that would be the pick for me if I was Atlanta and I was traded down or nine, address the, de- address the defense. Number 10, also in dire need of defensive help, the Dallas Cowboys. I would say I'm pretty set with offense. Time to address the defense. I'm getting the second best cornerback in this draft, and you could definitely make an argument for the best, J.C. Horn. Uh, what I love about J.C. Horn, he's got that Michael Irvin mentality. He just thinks he's better than whoever's lining up at receiver across from him. He just thinks he's better. He's not afraid to be on an island with someone, even though people may think Julio Jones or whoever is better than him, which I do think he is. But J.C. Horney's not afraid. He's not afraid to be in one-on-one. He's not afraid to just go mano-a-mano with the receiver, even though they may be better skilled than him. Horn feels like he's up to the challenge. And... He is a little grabby, but I appreciate his aggressiveness. That's what you always want from a cornerback. So Dallas, I'm taking J.C. Horn, hopefully showing up the pass defense. Number 11, my beloved New York football Giants. I'm going to make a bet right now with whoever's still listening to this. I'm going to make a Chuck, Chuck, uh, Charles Barkley-style guarantee I'm going to list four players that I think are, I'm going to guarantee that the Giants are going to select the 11th pick. Quidipay, Rashawn Slater, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. One of those four players is going to be the 11th overall pick of the New York Giants. You heard it here first. And uh, I'm going to agree with that statement. I'm taking Devontae Smith here if I'm the New York Giants. Look, although I don't think this is a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones, this is only year three. He's hasn't had great weapons around him. The best receivers he's thrown to are Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. His offensive line has been terrible. And um, I, I understand why Slater could be the pick here. I mean, offensive line has been an eternal need for the Giants. But Devontae Smith, really, it's just name one thing, like football-wise, that needs to be worked on substantially. There's not much. There's really not much. And the frame, the weight thing, he's tired of it. I wouldn't say I'm tired of it. I just have... It's worried me a lot less as I've researched this draft class, especially Devontae Smith. Now, look, he'll probably get absolutely smashed on a crossing route one or two times and we're going to be like, shit, maybe the frame is a, is a problem. But Devontae Smith is just so good at football. I don't, I, I've started to care a lot less that he's 166 or 175 pounds or whatever, and he's, he looks like Flat Stanley, and he looks like he could snap in half at any second. Um, he's just too good at football. And again, Daniel Jones, in order for him to fully unlock himself, you got to get more weapons on the outside. I know the Giants threw a ton of money at Kenny Galladay. I love that. But you can never have too much wide receiver depth, especially considering Galladay only played, I think, four games, maybe five games last season. Sterling Shepard has battled injuries his whole career. Darius Slayton was a nice surprise, but he had a down year last season. John Ross has yet to show any substantial production at all. Evan Engram has struggled. That is all I need to say about that. Kyle Rudolph, he's he's reliable, but I'm just I'm not I'm not gushing 
at that signing. And then Saquon Barkley is obviously he's coming back from a torn ACL, and Wayne Gallman just left. So you can never have too many skilled players, especially considering uh, if Devontae Smith is available here. So I'm pulling the trigger on that if I'm Dave Gettleman. Number 12, Eagles, easy pick here, I think, Jalen Waddell. It's, it's whoever the four best, whoever of the four best receivers is still available at that spot, I think the Eagles should take. Waddle, his, his second gear in terms of speed is honestly, it's breathtaking. If you look up explosive in the dictionary, you're finding Jalen Waddle's name right next to it. Because just, just watch, I'm trying to think of a specific play. There was a play against Auburn where he caught in the middle of the field. And he, he made some moves, and he, like, somehow just, like, ran past the guy. I was like, holy shit, like, how'd he do that? He's so fast, and also he can make people miss. I value that over just being straight-line fast, just having a fast 40 time. Because in order to be able to show off your fast 40 time, you got to make guys miss. Jalen Wilde can make people miss. So his explosiveness is extremely intriguing. And uh, the whole looking for the next Tyreek Hill thing, I think that's a bit overblown. But obviously seeing what Tyreek Hill did... Uh, that's opened the door for shorter and very skilled receivers to uh, be picked as high as this. So Jalen Waddle, number 12, found the Eagles GM. That is what I'm doing. Number 13, LA Chargers. I am hip-hop hooraying. I am jumping for joy because Rashawn Slater is still available. Priority number one, I feel like, for the Chargers is to protect Justin Herbert. They already gave Corey Lindsley a fat five-year contract. I love that deal. Now it is time to address the tackle positions. Hold on one second. Ah. ah, okay, got to get my voice right. Anyway, Rashawn Slater. I think that would be the ideal for, p- pick for the Chargers at 13. Got to protect Justin Herbert. Slater can play multiple positions. There have been arguments for him over Sewell. I can totally see that. Um, and I think, again, like Sewell, stick him at the tackle or even guard position for 10 years. Just leave him there. Protect your franchise quarterback. So that would be the pick for me if I were the LA Chargers. Number 14, the Minnesota Vikings. They need help in the trenches. They need help on both the offensive and the defensive line. And with the 14th overall pick, I would take Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Uber-athletic. He is the definition of disruptiveness. Um, I know the production wasn't exactly there, but this Vikings defense was bottom five in sacks last season. And uh, it was very clear that Daniil Hunter needed someone opposite of him. So I think Quiddy Pay would be the smart pick here. Just revamp that Vikings defense that had been so good for so long. And it was very uncharacteristic. And it was weird last season to see them not be good. Especially considering Mike Zimmer being the head coach. So yeah, Quiddy Pay, defensive end. That would be the pick there. I can understand offensive line too. But Quiddy Pay, too good to pass up. Number 15, the Detroit Lions. We're just taking the best player available here. If I'm Detroit. And that would be Micah Parsons. Linebacker out of Penn State. Explosive. Can get after the quarterback. And the Lions just kind of need everything. And uh, again, best player available, Mike Parsons. I'd be happy with that if I was a Lions fan. Number 16, the Arizona Cardinals. What do we need? Cornerback. Did we sign Malcolm Butler? Yes, but guess what? There is a gaping hole on that other side because Pat Pete left for Minnesota. Yes, he left for Minnesota. So I am taking here Caleb Farley. Now look, I get the back surgery. That was a very significant back surgery that he had, but guess what? I think he'll rehab fine. I think he'll get right. And honestly, I, I, I think people would consider him the best cornerback in this draft had he not had the significant back surgery. And 
The fact that he hasn't played a football game in over 500 days, that is concerning too. He's going to have to get back into the groove of things, but I certainly think he can. He is extremely disruptive. He is a big body. He is aggressive. He just has a nose for the ball. And considering how pressing of a need cornerback is for the Cardinals, especially in division with guys like DK Metcalf and quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford and um, whoever... uh, Jesus, whoever the Niners draft, especially if they draft Zach Wilson, who's a deep ball thrower, they're going to need help at the cornerback position, the pass defense. So I think Farley would make a lot of sense there. Number 17, the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know what the hell's going on in Vegas. They had a ton of defensive needs, and John Gruden was like, ass to hell with the offensive line. Sold the entire right half for late round picks. That was really weird. And, um... If I'm the Raiders, I'm going to continue my weirdness, and I'm going to select a center here, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. Uh, why, do we, why do we select Creed Humphrey over a lot of way more enticing, probably better for us uh, defensive options? Because um, we're the Raiders, and we do weird shit in the draft. That's why. So, uh, and I also, I also like the name Creed, if I was the Raiders GM. Creed. Creed! That's something that I could get behind if I was a Raiders fan. Number 18, we're back with the Miami Dolphins. Got Kyle Pitts at six, major upgrade for the offense. Now we're going to turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball, where we were an awesome defense last year. We led the league in turnovers. But guess what? We lacked, a, we lacked a star edge rusher. And I think we got that with the Miami boy, Gregory Rousseau. Yes, I could totally understand why Jalen Phillips would be a better option, but I'm going to revert back to Quentin Corpville for a second. I watched every Miami Hurricanes game uh, over the past few years. And the one, the one season Greg Rousseau did play, he was a sack master. He is so long and disruptive. He can get to the quarterback, um, which is obviously what you want out of an edge rusher. Um, I'm ba- I would bank on his potential, even though he only played one year because he opted out last season. I would honestly bank on his potential. I think he could be really great and make a, a solid Dolphins defense even better. So I think those would be two home run picks for the Dolphins in the first round. I would be very happy. Moving on, number 19, the Washington football team. Yes, yes, yes. The offensive line, it is a concern, but guess what? This tackle, honestly, this whole offensive line class is very deep. We can worry about that in the later round. This round, I'm looking at the linebacker position because, again, why not make a solid defense even better. That front seven last year, scary. How about make it scarier? Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa with a linebacker out of Notre Dame. He is hard hitting. Even though he's undersized, that dude hits hard. Like like Jordan Whitehead on the Buccaneers uh, forcing the fumble on Aaron Jones hard. That dude is a hard hitter. Um, imagine I'm just imagining defense with the already great front seven led by Chase Young and then adding... JOK in that mix. I would love that if I was a Washington fan. Making a good defense, possibly great. Number 20, the Chicago Bears. A lot of different directions this team could go. Um, They could insert themselves into the quarterback conversation, but they would have to give up a lot or just hope something happens to one of the quarterbacks. They just take a tremendous tumble down the draft. Um, Here... I would address the offensive tackle position and select Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech. Um, I think he is easily one of a top three tackle in this draft. Um, I just really like him at this position, and it is a pressing need for the Bears. So 
insert Derisaw into that day one lineup for Chicago. 21, the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Costanzo retired this offseason, and Carson Wentz is going to need all of the protection he can get in order to hopefully return to his old self. And that means taking an offensive tackle. Give me Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. This dude's 6'6", 300. I've been hearing and reading and seeing that he is very pro-ready. I like that in an offensive tackle. So hopefully he can fill Costando's shoes and give Carson Wentz time to throw in the pocket. Because as we know, quarterbacks that are given time in the pocket make better decisions versus when they're under duress. Number 22, the Tennessee Titans. They have a few pressing needs. Wide receiver, um, but what has been a struggle for this team the last couple of years, I want to say a struggle, but could be better is just the defense overall and the ability to rush, to pass, rush the passer specifically. And that is why I would go with Jalen Phillips, the other, the other great edge rusher out of Miami. Um, the injury concerns, the, the concussion history, the, the scooter accident, that is understandable, but he just offers way too much athletic upside. He took his game to another level last year, and he would certainly bolster this defense. He would make a nice tandem with Jarrell Casey on that Titans defensive line and hopefully make that pass rush just to, at least at, at the very least a little bit better. So give me Jalen Phillips. All right, number 23, we're back to the Jets. So we got the franchise quarterback, hopefully. We got Justin Fields. Now it is of the utmost priority to protect him. They got Mekki Becton last year. That looks like a pretty good pick. Now this year, we are going to stick with the offensive line. We are going to go with Elijah Vera Tucker at USC. He can play both guard and tackle. I was watching some film on him. He had a great season last season. Um, he just looked. He just looked very pro ready. His footwork was really nice, and um, he 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 plays tenaciously. And I really like that, especially uh, especially with an offensive lineman. So give me Vera Tucker, bolster that offensive line even more. Give Fields time to throw. I want to take a quick break, and then we are going to get into the final ten picks. Hold on. Final, I can't do math, but we're going to resume with the Steelers right after this short break. All right, we're back. We left off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So with the 24th overall pick, I'm looking at the Steelers. Their run game was obviously abysmal last season. They finished last in yards per game. I feel like a play that really summed it up was when they played the football team, Benny Snell got stuffed at the goal line, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. And it was especially sad because I had him starting on my fantasy team that week. So the first thought that came to mind was obviously a running back. You go either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, but Considering the fact that running backs are so like replaceable, I'm not I'm not a big really big fan anymore of spending a first round pick on a running back. So instead, I'm going to shore up the offensive line. I'm going to take Tevin Jenkins, big strong tackle out of Oklahoma State. Surely I think he is he is some guy. He is he's someone that I think can open up a lot of holes for whoever is carrying the ball next year for the Steelers, whether it be Benny Smell, Snell, Scott. Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, or someone they draft this year, but I think showing up the offensive line would greatly help the run game. All right, 25, we're back to the Jaguars. So 
You get Trevor Lawrence. Now, I say we turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball, where the Jaguars are in, in need of of kind of of, of, of everything. Uh, maybe not edge rusher. They they've already drafted Calivon Chason, 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 and Josh Allen. Um, so I've seen a lot of mocks that have mocked Trevon Mayrig, the safety out of TCU, and I think that'd be a good pick. Um, the Jaguars already shored up their secondary a little bit in free agency by signing Shaquem Griffin. But um, I'm going to turn the attention to the defensive line, and I'm going to take Christian Barmore, big, strong defensive tackle at Alabama. Um, I think the trenches is extremely important, and Barmore was extremely dominant last season. He was just he was balling out, especially in the college football playoff. And defensive tackle, I feel, is a big need for the Jaguars, especially looking at their depth chart. So I like Barmore to Jacksonville with 25. 26, Cleveland has not picked this low in a very long time. And uh, I want to go defense here. And they did make a solid signing. They signed Jadavion Clowney to a one-year deal. Um, so I think for now that eliminates the need for an edge rusher. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I wanna go with the secondary here. Give me Greg Newsom the second out of Northwestern. Now he, he was injury riddled. Um, nothing major, just like minor stuff throughout his career at Northwestern, but very talented, very NFL ready cornerback. And watching the Steelers game, even though they obviously won, they were their secondary was getting was getting toasted at the end. Uh, final score was 47 to 38 after all. And uh, while while their defense was on the field for a while, their their, their secondary looked they looked toasted. Um, Denzel Ward he needs he, he could use someone opposite of him to feel confident about. Greedy Williams hasn't stepped up quite yet, so I w- I'm just gonna take Newsom just to hopefully solidify that CB2 spot. 27 now. The Baltimore Ravens. I think this is the spot to get another receiver for Lamar Jackson. Uh, there's a few on the board that I think would make sense, but the one that makes the most sense, I think, is Rashad Bateman. He is big. He is fast. He works hard. He's got a great attitude. He has a great story. The Ringer did an awesome piece on him. His come up. Uh, he's extremely humble. Loves the game. And uh, he showed out for Minnesota. So um, I think he would certainly give Lamar, I think he could become the wide receiver one there. I think Marquise Brown is better suited for a wide receiver two role, even though he certainly did improve at the end of last season. So I'm taking a receiver there if I'm the Ravens. And then they do also have the 31st pick in the Orlando Brown trade. I'm going to get to that in a couple of minutes um, where I think they can address defense. So yeah, Rashad Bateman, I think is the pick there. All right, number 28, the New Orleans Saints. There is a large, how do I say this? There's not a lot of wide receiver depth, plain and simply. After Michael Thomas, the number two receiver is Traquan Smith. And uh, I'm not too thrilled about that if I'm the Saints, so I want to snag a wide receiver too here. And I think that's Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of Florida. Now, I only had, I, I know he... He may have only had one year of big time production, but just watching him, he was very he's very twitchy. 
in in a good way. His, his cuts were awesome. He's very slippery. He's very tough to tackle because um, he he reads he reads defenses very well after the catch. Um, he does need some space to work though. Uh, he's got he's got to catch it with some room to spare. He's very good at making people miss. I will say. Um, but yeah, I think Kadarius Tony can certainly be a solid wide receiver too for that team. Uh, you can run him on sweeps. You can run him on end arounds. Very very versatile like that. So uh, give me Kadarius Tony. His highlights are very fun to watch, by the way. So go check them. Don't go check them out if you if you need to convince yourself of Mr. Tony. All right, number twenty nine, the Green Bay Packers. I feel you got to get another wide receiver. Um, Devontae Adams is great. But um, they didn't. They didn't draft any receivers last year. Remember that was that was the talk in Green Bay. They didn't. They drafted Jordan Love over receivers, and they didn't take one throughout the whole draft. So I'm taking a receiver here. Give me the six-three, two hundred-pound, big-body red zone threat at LSU, Terrace Marshall Jr. I went in depth on the last pod with Will about Marshall Jr. a little bit. He's got all the. He's got all the skills to be. A legit red zone threat and a wide receiver too, maybe even one in the NFL. Um, but it's crazy to think how he was the third receiver behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on that 2019 LSU team. Um, but yeah, I really like him in that spot. Give Aaron Rodgers another target, and then I guess address some defensive needs later in the draft, like a, like a linebacker or maybe even corner. Um, but yeah, I like Marshall Jr. in that spot. Big red zone target, someone reliable opposite Devontae Adams. Um, all right, number 30, Buffalo. Got the Buffalo Bills. They could take a running back here, but I think they can save that for later in the draft. So I'm going to turn the attention to the secondary where Tredavious, you've got Tredavious White, obviously, but you need another, I believe you need another Another playmaker opposite of him at the cornerback position. And I think Asante Samuel Jr. would be a great pick here. One second. <sighs> hydrate. Hydrate. So Asante Samuel Jr. He is a little undersized, but he's extremely instinctive. He is aggressive. He is not afraid to sell out his body in order to make the play. And I really like that. Go watch his tape. He is he is a pest. He is not fun to be guarded by and uh, obviously he from his dad I'm gonna guess he he knows at least a little bit of what it's like to be a pro and what it what it takes to be great so that's where I would go if I was Buffalo but maybe address the running game later in the draft because again there are a lot of quality tackles a lot of quality offensive linemen I think you get a running back later in the draft all right 31 we're back to Baltimore this is where I think we they, the Baltimore Ravens should address the defense. And on paper right now, with Matthew Don and Yannick Ngakwe departing Baltimore in free agency, I think the pick here should be an edge rusher. And I think Aziz Ojolari is the perfect one. He is extremely instinctive. He is agile. He is explosive. He's a playmaker. He can play a little bit of, a little of a, a little bit of a pass rushing linebacker if you'd like, just to bolster that defense that is what the Ravens have hung their hat on for the last few years. Got got to bolster it, especially considering the losses they took in free agency. So Aziz Ojolari, I don't think he's going to f- last that long in the draft, but if he's there, I really like him in that spot. And there, there are other edge rushers, too, that I think could work here, like uh, 
Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest. That's just a really cool name. Uh, Jason Oway out of Penn State. The no sacks thing last year and the, the undersized frame um, is a little concerning, but I think he could definitely work. And then at number 32, Tampa Bay. They don't have many positional needs that need to be addressed for this year. That's pretty incredible. So I think this is this pick is more to think about the future. This whole draft, really. Um, and I think we... Sh- we, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, should address the defensive line because Jason Pierre-Paul is going to be a free agent. He's also getting up there in age, so why not get some fresh legs? Give me Joseph Asai out of Texas. He is, again, athletic, instinctive, and he just he just has a nose for getting to the passer. So I think he, can, he, has, he walks into a great situation in Tampa Bay on an already stacked defense, and he doesn't have to produce right away. He doesn't. So, I wouldn't. I don't think it'd be a bad idea to take uh, either Davis Mills or Kyle Trask, or even Kellen Mond. Just have a backup at quarterback in case something happens to Tom Brady. Um, but edge rusher, or even just defensive line, I like there. Give me Joseph Asai. All right, that is all thirty-two first-round picks. I will be impressed with myself if I get six of those right, because this NFL draft is. It, it never really goes as expected. Um, this is these picks were just what I would what I would do if I was the GM of each team. So I hope you all enjoyed. Um, thank you for listening, for everyone that's lasted, for everyone that is, uh, for everyone that's still listening. I really appreciate you. I really thank you for for listening. Um, so yeah, that is all. As always, make sure to check out the Black and White Now we've got stories going up every day by. Some awesome, awesome writers. And make sure to check out the rutabaga.net for some high-quality satire via Walt Whitman High School. As for the pod schedule this week, I plan on doing a first-round Insta reaction with Will, I believe, on Thursday night. And then it'll just be kind of draft coverage throughout the weekend. Then we're going to shift to the NBA, I think, because uh, it's coming down to the wire in the in terms of it, it's, it's standings checking time. So... We're going to run some draft run draft coverage throughout this week and the weekend. And then after the draft, once we debrief all of that, we will fully dive in, hopefully, to the NBA. So uh, thank you all for listening. As always, wear a mask, stay socially distant, get vaccinated. Everybody stay safe and take care.